Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I also know that feeling so well of like, why? Why, heart? Why this person? Did you think to check in with brain, heart? But, you know, no, it doesn't. And sometimes that's just the way it is. and welcome back to Talking Ship Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Fitzgerald, and this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. And this podcast is part TV review, part relationship advice. We look at fictional couples from TV and extract the relationship issues that play a role in our non-fictional lives and talk about how well these two characters handled these issues and what we learn from them. And this week, we're talking about a classic TV couple who handled so many things wrong and yet (laughs) 10 years later we just we all still want what they had or do we is the question we'll discuss today we're talking nick and jess from new girl and falling for a high stakes friend but before we get into it i'd like to introduce my two high stakes friends actors content creators witty wise women My co-hosts for this episode include returning contributor Katie Butterwitz and our good friend Catherine Penny. Ladies, welcome. Hello. Hi. I'm very happy to be here. It's very exciting. I truly can't think of three more like adorkable humans to be doing this podcast. Like we're we're not all currently wearing like polka dot button ups, but we might as well be. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're. There are so many reasons why I feel like you guys were the perfect people to talk about the show with. One of them is, Penny, I remember you making us play True American in college. (gasps) That's right. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I just was so inspired by the, you know, how drunk they would get. And I just love a game. Oh, in the spirit of that, does everyone have a a bevy, a little beverage? Yes. Yes. I'd like to propose a toast. I hope you all know what to say. One, two, three, four, JFK. FDR. <laughs> oh, you did not disappoint, ladies. Ooh. Yes. Um, oh, the other so reason good. I feel like you two are the perfect people to host this episode with is that we've all done the thing of falling for a high stakes friend. Guilty. Because you gotta. You gotta. <laughs> you gotta. How could you not is my thing about it always. We've all been through it. We're all here to air the... The lukewarm tea, the really, really yep. cool, uh, exactly. not really that scalding tea. No, exactly. Yeah. It's Mine's pretty much iced at this point, but I think it's, it'll be nice because we have like different layers of how far it progressed and how well it went. Should we give retroactive um, code names for these people so we don't keep calling them these persons? Maybe. I'm, I'm tempted to say Ignacio. That's fine. Ignacio is excellent. That's perfect. Okay. We could call him Ikea because he made Ikea. the Ikea! Love Ikea. Great. You know what? I'm going to call, I'm going to call my, my guy Jorgen. Jorgen, that's Jorgen. good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Jorgen. Okay. But before we get into the details of us falling for our friends uh, and what we did right or wrong and what Nick and Jess did right or wrong, let's just, I just want to spend a couple minutes like just talking about New Girl itself and the Nick and Jess romance generally for a few seconds because I mean this show, like we just said, we watched it mostly in college and it's such a comfort show at the time. It's such a comfort rewatch for so many people. I think Jess Day was such like a formative part of pop culture, a formative part for so many women. And that Nick and Jess first kiss, I mean, Katie, like it's still years later gets me horny mm-hmm. every single time I see me it. Me too. I was just thinking that. It's so good. The like non-threatening, but totally sexy grab and spin around. Yeah. We love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked about the grab back. I love a grab back love kiss. Grab back. I want. I always crave a grab back kiss. What did she say? Like, like uh, he, he grabbed me like he was a he was a man and I was a woman. A woman. Cece. <laughs> and she, yeah, and she's like, I saw through space and time for a second, but it doesn't. Who yeah. cares? <laughs> I was like, I watched it. I oh. saw through space and time as well, and then I like rewatched it over and over again. 
and so well, I, I just what happened yeah. this last time I was rewatching it was I was like there's no music like they rested on the fact that this kiss was so powerful they didn't give it a score at all it is silent he yeah, sucks her face he's just oh, yeah. he's like vacuum it's so beautiful oh man I can't even talk about it well see so years later we still have this relationship to it so I just like would love to hear Katie like let's start with your takes on this show and your relationship to it how you relate to it over the years I mean clearly I completely agree I actually feel though like this show kind of grew on me the more comfortable I became with myself because I'm pretty sure Penny Mm. was the one to turn me on to it I think we watched it either in my freshman dorm or in like one of those um multi-purpose like activity rooms in the dorms I forget but I liked it but it didn't like grip me and I think looking back on it now maybe I just had a little bit more life to live I was a little too in it so to speak Um, so it's kind of funny to think about that maybe I just had some more experience to gain, but now I love watching and rewatching New Girl. It's one of my like number one comfort shows, partially because it makes me giggle like none other. Part of it is that all of the cast are so high stakes and so specific. I'm like, who comes up with this shit? Like it just hits my funny bone with an arrow. And also I think that Jessica Day is such an empowering character. And I know that might sound a little silly given that she's like this totem pole of adorkability. But uh, like, if you don't believe me, think about the fact that she is played by Zoe Deschanel, who is also, I might add, one of the executive producers of the show. And she's one of the most, you know, recognizably labeled manic pixie dream girls of our time. But this is her story. You know, she's playing that same Mm -hmm. exact, exact archetype that same exact type of character but she's not here to drive any sort of male arc she's here to empower herself and be herself and do exactly what she wants so fuck yeah yeah I just I love first of all I just loved her style and her eyes I think that that is just (laughs) what you know brought me in I was like oh this girl from elf has dark hair now and I'm super into it (laughs) and um at first, I couldn't really get into it because I thought that she was too goofy. I thought like the pilot, mm-hmm. the first few episodes, she was a little bit ditzy and I couldn't I couldn't quite. But then she really came into her own. And after she breaks up with Spencer, she like gets this grit. She gets this like comfortability with herself that I uh, loved. And then all of, you know, like you said, like all of these other um, characters start like blooming. There are a few moments in the show where I will watch I'll watch it over and over again and I will laugh heartily each time. But yeah, I mean, I I really did connect with the the falling for your friends. Yes, yes. This show is actually like weirdly kind of a really good origin story of this podcast specifically and like why my brain works the way that it does that I ended up doing this because I, as someone who always roots for the best friend romance, like I clocked the Nick and Jess chemistry from the pilot because I'm always looking for it. I'm like, what's going to be the romance? Oh, it's this. Okay, now I'm going to I'm going to watch it obsessively and I'm not going to stop watching it until they get together. Mm-hmm. And then I was so mad mm-hmm. when they broke up. I stopped watching the show. Like I too. that you did too. Yep. That's where I fell off. I still have not watched all of it. Like, I know what happens. Like, I know. But (laughs) I was so pissed at the time. But it's funny now. I think I watched it around, like, age 20. And 28-year-old Megan has a very different relationship to watching the Nick and Jess romance progress. Mm -hmm. But I think that has to do with being 28 and knowing real-life Nick Miller's. But um, we'll get into that. We'll get into that later. (laughs) Boy, will we. Well, even if you're not a quirky girl in polka dots living in a loft with three men, and even if you're not falling for someone that's as familiar and high stakes as a roommate, I do think we've all have different versions of the Nick and Jess situations in our non-fictional lives. So to break it down and figure it out, if you have or have not, we're going to go into relatable content. Who's that girl? <laughs> it me. Yes. Did you plan that? that no, I just so thought funny. of it right now. <laughs> what? She's a clever. Okay. So everyone, you may be in a Nick and Jess situation if, so you have a group of friends you love and you care about deeply all of them but your feelings for one individual 
just run a little bit deeper. All of the feelings, they infuriate you more, they worry you more, they just, what they do affects you a little bit more than everyone else. Might be a Nick or Jess. Mm -hmm. You may be in a Nick and Jess situation if you have no idea why you are in love with that person. Like they're your friend and you adore them, but if you had any other choice in the world, you would not be in love with your favorite man-child. You might be in a Nick and Jess situation if you, uh, every time you're sad, you want them to come over and you want only them to come over and no one else. Maybe you need your friends here, but you need this person like deep in your guts. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) That one hurts. (laughs) Um, You may be in a Nick and Jess situation if you fell in love with your friend the moment you met them, but you never feel like you had your shit together enough to make something happen. So you just just had to sit on it. Mm -hmm. This is kind of the same as that one, actually, or tangential to it. You might be in a Nick and Jess situation if you feel like the friendship is almost too precious to cross any boundaries. Like, how could we possibly take that leap into the next step? What would that mean for us? Is it better to leave well enough alone? You might be in a Nick and Jess situation if you are always trying to catch this person's eye in a conversation when you know that something was just said that you know the other person is just um, into or super not into. And you have that like knowing look that you just want to end up being sexual or romantic. <laughs> hmm. That's so funny that you say that because I think that is one of the number one ways to tell if someone is into you, which (laughs) we will get into in just a few seconds. All right. So I just want to say this right now. Like we all know New Girl lasted several seasons and of like any couple on TV, like Nick and Jess have a whole big old arc. And there are several, I think, like phases in the relationship that we could talk about and have a full conversation but we don't have time to talk about everything today. So just we are focusing on the period of time of like going from friends to going into being in a relationship that like I'd say like the season one through three phase of the relationship. So what we're specifically talking about today is just that falling for a friend and not just a friend, but like a very, very high stakes friend. So we've been there. You've all been there. But let's talk about how do you know if you have feelings for a high stakes friend or vice versa, if they have feelings for you. Starting with, I want to talk about Cece's theory. Do you think the feet pointing at the person you're interested in is real? Let's talk about it. I don't know if it's real, but that doesn't stop it from living rent free in my brain. I can't tell you how often I think about that or like look for it in social situations. I'll be like, what? Mm -hmm. Who's okay? Okay, you? Oh, interesting. Like all the time. (laughs) I don't know if the feet pointing thing is real, but what I do think is very real is, Penny, what you brought up, which is I think when there's a big laugh in a group or a big moment, someone shares something ridiculous or telling or whatever, it's the person who you look at immediately because it's the person you want to share this moment with, this big public moment. You want to make a private moment with this person or you care about what their reaction is. So that I think is a very real thing of like not where your feet go, but where your eyes go. I'm recalling a very distinct feeling of wanting to know where Jorgen was going to be before and after a group gathering. It was Mm. never just like, I'll see you at this group gathering. It was always like, I wanted to be the special person that came to the gathering with him and then also had a moment after. It always Mm -hmm. would feel kind of empty if we just saw each other there. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be special. Right. There's a right. lot of that. It's like, if if you treat me like any other platonic friend, I'm going to be bummed out. Yep. I'm your special person, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big thing. Like, if you want to feel like the special person or if they become the special person to you in a lot of ways in like that to me, like that's like classic quality time. You're like, I want to be the person there before during and after like I want to spend this time with you but I also think uh, as a as an acts of service person your feelings for this person are real if you take like a very personal investment in the betterment of this person on the show with like when Nick has cancer I mean might have cancer when they think for a moment for a one episode arc that Nick might have cancer Jess is the one that is like, okay, we have to do something about this. And then when Nick's dad dies, Jess 
goes above and beyond to make sure that Nick, like, not only that the funeral is dealt with and is to his highest honor and she does the Elvis, which is, like, I think my favorite (laughs) Jess Day moment, but, like, she also takes this personal investment that he is going to emotionally deal with it. And, like, sure, we, we all care about our friends. We all want the best of our friends, but I feel like if you are taking on their self-improvement, their personal happiness, kind of as a part-time job, it feels like more so than all of your other friends, these feelings are real and you need to examine it. Or or vice versa. If someone is doing that to you, like that feels to me the classic, like, well, why do you care so much? Yeah. Like, well, why do you think? I remember writing in my journal so often, just like how exhausting it is to be be in love with someone to just like be either uh unrequited or unannounced just it's so much effort it's so much energy the pre part where you don't know what's going to happen is just exhausting Mm -hmm. it is exhausting i feel like nick miller's version of this is perfectly equipped to stab me in the heart because i feel like his version of this is like a low-grade protective quality which just i die do you die i die um, like, especially mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. he inserts himself in the situation with their creepy landlord that almost <laughs> leads to them having a weird threesome. And then, and then, like, shortly after that, when he thinks that the, the student in her creative writing class is going, going to kill her. So he goes undercover as Julius Pepperwood, uh, icon. That's maybe my favorite episode. <laughs> yes. I'm Julius Pepperwood. I'm from Chicago. <laughs> Um, and literally granted those sound like normal things because like no one wants their friend to get murdered or be trapped into a creepy threesome but he certainly goes above and beyond in those situations and engages himself in some uh shenanigans if you will to ensure jess's well-being Mm. (laughs) yeah it's like the like i feel like i'm being taken care of by all my friends but like you in particular you're taking care of me and that feels like they all don't want her to get murdered but they're not all dressing up in disguise to show up at her class (laughs) (laughs) right what does he say oh so what's the quote about the blue dress oh you're blinding me with that blue dress (laughs) (laughs) so i'm from chicago the other thing that i think I certainly did when I, uh, with, what did we name my, my Ikea person? I think you know your feelings are real for someone when you have a problem with every single person mm-hmm. that your friend dates. <gasps> I, and when yeah. we see this with Nick and Jess, because a lot of the people they date are like, technically, if you're like a third circle friend, you'd be like, that person is great for you. But Nick has a problem with like all of everyone death dates, except for Derm- uh, Dermot Mulroney. Yeah. Is that how you say his name? Yeah, Dermot because, Mulroney. Uh, yeah, a recent star of my uh, nighttime dreams. Um, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm just in like a Dermot Mulroney mood. You do it's work. Just, it's really fancy been man. working well recently. Woo. Yeah, fancy man. I have a podcast where I, ta- I, whatever, dissect relationships, but you give me a crush in a relationship, I could write you a novella about why that relationship won't work out yeah. and everything wrong with it. And that is what Nick and Jess do they take issue with every single person that they that date has, that has definitely i remember when i dated uh the hippie um <laughs> in between the the hookup and the relationship he would come up to me very often and be like i'm worried about you he was he was very very concerned i mean i think we could spend like a whole episode just talking about the other people that nick and jess date like and some of them are all people's advocate kind of shitty like genslinger is not my fave julia not the best (laughs) you know what i mean like they have their issues but you know as they say we all have to kiss a few toads except i love dr sam i will ride or die for dr sam Mm -hmm. he's me too my god that hunk of a man and, like, listen, he has oh. his issues, too, but he's really pretty cute with Jess, and he is particularly interesting to me in that Nick hates him. Like, Nick doesn't like any mm-hmm. of the suitors, really, but, like, more oh. than any of Jess's other boyfriends, he and Dr. Sam are arch nemeses. And I think that's because he's the only other real threat. Like, you can dislike most of the other guys for valid reasons, but I think Nick has to dislike Sam on just, like, principle. And then Mm -hmm. with regard to what you were saying, I didn't do this as much. I do something else that I think people are equally guilty of. So I'll throw myself under the bus in this way, which is that I insert myself and become the BFF. So like later on, so I don't know if you saw Nick's relationship with Reagan, but later on, Jess makes herself like the third wheel in that relationship. And she's like, you both need me. Totally. 
Right? And I'm like, nothing says I'm totally over you, like becoming an essential part of their relationship. Incognito. <laughs> that is and I think, so good. Yeah, that's what I was more guilty of, of being like the BFF. Mm. And I was like, you both need me. I'm essential. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we've talked about this before. That might be a healthier approach. Yeah, Probably both marginally. are bad. Mine's just like a bitchier approach. Yeah, wow. And then I think the other thing to know, how do you know, is the intangible but tangible sexual tension. And because I think, and I say that in that way because I think sexual tension looks a million different ways and it looks different on every couple. Because for me, the most like sexual tension Nick and Jess has I mean, maybe not the most, but one of my favorites is when they have that fight with their butts and they're like, (laughs) because you drive me nuts. And then they like turn around and they're both fighting with their butts and talking with their butts. and like, Because it's like, it's, it's not sexy, but it is sexual tension. Can we talk about the true American where they have to kiss behind the door oh, and freaking exactly. Zoe Deschanel's boobs are pushed up to her chin mm-hmm. and she's got that beautiful red tutu, you know, skirt on and they are just kind of like chilling, talking and then he like puts his hand on her knee and then yeah, they, they look the at each other and he's like, kiss me, Miller and he's like, not like this. Oh, not Even like this. before that, so the whole reason they come back to the apartment in that episode is because she's like, I'm going to get murdered. He, they walk in the door, she freaks out and then she grabs him in this hug and he this this line wrecked me. He says what are you doing, pal? And just the, like him calling her pal like should be the worst thing ever, but I was like, nope. Oh my god. <laughs> It's so cute. And not to mention, so them in that true American behind the the wall and, and doing the kiss thing brings me, uh, I think, my number one favorite moment from the show, which is he goes in for the kiss with like kiss face. And she goes, no, you can't do it like that. Your face. Blah, blah. And he's like, okay. And he goes in with a full smile. Full smile. <laughs> I've never like, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That face will haunt my dreams. I love it so much. <laughs> just on a simple level like there's something inherently sexy about like the person who sleeps across the hall from you like if there's tension there it's like the fact that you know he's always like a yell away Mm. is like a pretty big deal yeah I also think the whole I think it's I think it's in that episode or maybe it's a couple episodes before because they're like clearly leading up to it it's the like admit that you've thought about it conversation it's like yeah i've thought about like admit that you thought about Mm -hmm. it i've thought about it like the Mm -hmm. tiptoeing around the fact but i think it's total subconscious at least on jess's part but she's like i'm subconsciously willing to go there like a little bit like admit that you thought about it and it's the deny the deny 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 Mm -hmm. deny is like loaded with sexual tension to me oh completely (sighs) okay so let's say you've established it for yourself you have feelings. You've had the sexy kiss or the the lingering leg touch or you've mm-hmm. admitted to your friend. One of my favorite moments is to Cece when she was like, I want him because it's so out of character for Jess <laughs> to just be like, it. I'm a sexual being, but I loved it. Right. Um, so you've established it. You have the feelings and now you want to make the transition from friends into more. Let's talk about what we can learn from Nick and Jess. Let's start with talking about what they do not do well. Um, because there's a lot of things I think we could just learn by trial and error. Go for it. Go for it. You lead us, take us off. <laughs> the episode where they go on their first date yes. or they're going to dinner or they're not on a date or mm-hmm. like, and then they run into Russell is the most stressful. I'm just like, you guys, you had this entire beautiful sexual tension story you had sex you crashed into the uh, to the um aquarium oh Oh my god it just like so beautiful why are you trashing it i was just like where's the where's the fear you know right yeah i feel like somebody has to be courageous and with all of the history it seems like it's a pretty safe gamble to just say 
hey, I like you. I want to date you. Yeah. They're both just trigger happy or uh, trigger shy. Um, I totally agree. I think if you're making that transition, you have to dive in completely knowing that it'll be weird and awkward and not what you're used to. But it's like, you know, if you're jumping into the pool, you can't also cling to the diving board. You know, that's never going to work. There needs to be a little bravery. Someone has to be brave. That's my main takeaway from this whole thing. And like, I agree. I was going to bring up that exact same episode. They're both unwilling to be the brave and vulnerable person that says what they want. And and you and so they don't define it. And so they don't know what they are to each other. And there's nowhere to go if you can't name who you are to someone else. There's nowhere to go from there if you can't at least name that. Yeah, it's it's so hard. And they're just so used to their friendship. Yeah. And it's a very vulnerable place to go into this like land of no cynicism of being in love. You know, Mm -hmm. there's not really a safety zone when you are going into a relationship. You can't really have that like protection. And I would argue, especially if you have like a funny friendship, you know what I mean? If your friendship is like jokes and calling each other out and bits and quirkiness and all of a sudden you're going to like No, I have feelings for you and I want to be with you. That is a very clunky transition. Totally, because it can also be sex can happen in between that time because you can just turn it off. Mm -hmm. But feeling comfortable with both of those things, the goofiness sometimes takes the romance out of it because it's a deflector. Right. Um, But the other thing that I think they struggle with at the very beginning is like avoiding the consequences of like the reality, how it will inevitably change their relationship, change the way they they live their lives. And we see this like when they run away to Mexico, (laughs) when they're like, let's just be paradise, Nick and Jess. Like if you're dating a friend, if you're dating anybody high stakes, anybody like in your current life, I think the longer you avoid the reality of what it means when you really incorporate this person into your life, the weaker the relationship will inevitably be because you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to build a relationship on false foundation. Don't build your relationship in Mexico when you're going to have to eventually cross the border. I remember when, uh, when Schmidt and Winston come to Mexico and she says, there's no us without them. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out how to blend this, sexual loving relationship with your family is like you know she's like they're family yeah yeah i think in this first go around of their relationships too they also do themselves the disservice of comparison like nick is never going to be russell and jess is never going to be julia and their relationship is Mm -hmm. never going to be one of the ones they've already had Mm -hmm. you know but they have all these preconceived notions of how it should be or who they should be and that's part of what I think makes their second go around better is that you know they both know exactly who they've fallen in love with I also think it's hard when like you have seen as a friend every other person that your friend has dated like you've been like full witness to this person and it's hard not to compare yourself to beautiful sexy um Megan Fox (laughs) oh (laughs) okay so we've uh, ragged on them and now let's move into what they actually they do do well in the transition from friends to more if you're trying to do this with somebody or you would like to do this with somebody here are things i think we can actually learn from nick and jess and this first one i don't know if you'll all agree with but i actually do think they make the transition into sexy pretty well. I I think it's normal that it takes a moment because I I think we have this like idea that every great couple immediately has sexual chemistry. And I think that's a fantasy. It's a matter of, especially when you're friends first, is committing to sexy because we know that they're attracted to each other because of that date and the like, oh, the way that you drink your beer and it like, it drives me crazy. Like we know they're like attracted to each other but they like they do start with like awkward boob grab. Like, do you remember the first time they're trying to have sex? And he just like grabs. Her. Yes, he grabbed but, the top of my boob, and it was strangely comforting. Strangely comforting, yeah. But then I think Nick makes a decision, which was great because we see Jess make a decision in the emotional way, and we see Nick make this like sexy decision. And when he commits, is when we get the elevator, the fireman carry. He had to get out of his own head and just like mm-hmm. trust. That this tension wouldn't exist if the two, if these two people did not dig each other. So I think yeah. like, if that's you, just commit. 
This person probably wants to bang you. You're not making up this tension in your head. So commit and fireman carry or whatever fireman carry is for you. I think sometimes you just got to get out of your own way and be your sexy self. Yeah. They had to be confident enough to play out the fantasies that they had always been thinking about and delete that worry of rejection. No, I just think that's a great way to put it because like, you know, you've thought about the fantasy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you always do when it's a friend or a, a known-ish person. So just mm-hmm. commit to it. Yeah. I can't remember at what point it is, but they just say, I like you so much. Yeah. I like you so much over and over and over again. And then they have these moments, even like in front of Schmidt and Winston, where they're just like, oh, I like you so much. And then they make out. And, they, and, they, and they're just like hitting, hitting that stride of yes. just letting their cynicism like melt away. And it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's what's key, too, is they let the cynicism melt away. They let the kind of, like, jokey, I hate you, you make me mad melt away and just get into, Mm -hmm. like, I like you, I like you, I like you. Right. They're clinging to that love and they're making the love bloom rather than the fear. Live in love rather than fear, you know? Uh, I completely agree. And I think they really form a partnership. Obviously, you know, most of their plans go awry because, of course, they do. But I think about uh, when Jess felt Mm -hmm. excluded by the clique of teachers at her school and how Nick tried to help her through that situation and support her through it. Like, he was really a partner for her in as much as he could be. The other, I think the biggest thing, probably, that they do in this transition is the answer to the bad date, parking ticket date. I don't know how to commit to what this is. It's the I want to uncall it speech and this is just yes. like surrendering her ego and just deciding to be all in and being like i want to uncall it maybe i'll play the audio of the speech because i think it's nice it's so nice look i know you think we should call it but i don't want to give up on this even if we don't know what this is i want to uncall it please can we uncall it before you say no Don't say no. I think in like any dating situation, we're all afraid to be this person that's like, I actually want to give this a shot. And I think it's important in any dating situation. But I think it's particularly important um, when you're doing this with a high stakes friend, because the reality is, is like, it can't be casual. It's not just going to be like a natural transition into like, oh, all of a sudden we're dating. Like you do have to be all in and you have to be all in together. And I genuinely think that's the other nice thing that they do. Once they're all in, I really do think they're all in together and on the same level. Like it's not like a Luke and Lorelai situation where like Luke is clearly more all in before Lorelai is. They when they decide to do it, they decide to do it. And that's I think something really nice that we can all we can all take from. So I was kind of bummed when I sat down to think of things they did really well because I couldn't think of that many. And then I realized that this was just their first pass at the relationship. So I think one of the things they did really well was protect the friendship when they broke up. You know, through everything, that was always the most important and they never lost respect or admiration for each other. And I think that that's what allowed them to be able to circle back years later. They didn't burn any bridges. They owned what was theirs and they went forth just with love for each other. So I think that that was very successful. Um, I think we should just all just briefly go into how this happened to us how we handled it and thus why the nick and jess storyline hit so hard just so the audience knows you know like what gives us the right to tell them about this situation oh we are uniquely Um, qualified we are and we're going in a very specific order so uh for uh, i think a specific reason so katie why don't you start with your your experience. Thank you so much. I see what you did with the order, too. It's very clever. Thank you. Okay, so my situation started off as actually a pretty clean parallel to Nick and Jess. And then I kind of took it in a different direction, whether by choice or by circumstance. I don't know. This has been one of my biggest, like, lessons to learn from. So I feel sort of like it's a closed book that I am past now. And so I have nothing but fondness in my memories of this person. But that being said, you know, you can't recall it without feeling like you're 19 again. So um, I think what's kind of big about talking about something, even if it's quote unquote something that didn't happen, you think of it as a non-starter, is that I think we avoid labeling things because we want to convince ourselves that these feelings aren't real or that the stuff isn't really happening because it feels smaller that way. 
But I think the only way to really like learn from it and grow from it is by labeling it and moving forward. So that's what we're doing. We're labeling oh, it. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Right? So, mm-hmm. so um, what I really resonate with initially is how it was Cece early on who came to Jess, like in the second episode or something, and was like, hey, Nick wants to be more than friends with you. Triggered. Um, and then Jess got all <laughs> w- <laughs> then Jess got all wigged because, you know, no one, I think, is looking for that kind of trouble with their best friend. No one wants that. That's always going to be a difficult road. Anyway, here I was with this best guy friend and everyone and their mother would come out of the woodwork, <laughs> would just volunteer the information. They would just come to me and say, hey, he's in love with you. He has feelings for you. He loves you. Everyone and their freaking mother. And it just, it, to be honest, it wasn't helpful. A, because he had a girlfriend. So first of all, even if I were to be like, oh my God, you're right. What good does that do me? Thanks. Now I get to pine for someone who's unavailable and sit on this useless piece of information based on your conjecture. You know, thanks so much. Which sounds rude because I know people meant well, but it made me feel pretty helpless in that situation. You know, so this friendship carried on like that for quite some time. There was, you know, as with Nick and Jess in the early days, a lot of quality time, a lot of acts of service. I mean, we Mm -hmm. essentially had all of the emotional intimacy of dating without the labels or without the romantic and physical intimacy. And so it was a little bizarre. I think especially when you're that young, your brain is like, how do I file this? Where do I put this? Right. And so, you know, any relationship there was or wasn't, I kind of had to play out in my head, which was really strange. And I would say if there was a third party in this relationship, it was other people's opinions. And I always thought that was kind of unfair, you know, like to the friendship at the very least, like Mm -hmm. what people assume of us became such a factor versus like at the end of the day, we're still really good friends. Like I don't I don't need what people assume of us to be so present, to be this like third body in the bed with us, so to speak. So I don't know if I would do it differently um, and take more of a Nick and Jess approach by confronting the feelings head on if I did it again now. Um, And I'm Mm. not even sure Jess would have done that if she hadn't been forced to by Nick making the first move. So, Uh, but I do think it's a really important experience and something a lot of people can relate to. So that's my non-starter. But I want to like stop calling it a non-starter because it happened. It just wasn't anything I could have pointed to or labeled at the time. Yeah. And that one of the most unrealistic things about the show to me is that like you have that early episode where Cece says something about it, but the fact that none of the other roommates ever. really ever make reference to it, ever seem to have opinions about it. In my mind, they knew and they just didn't want to say anything because they didn't want it to happen. They didn't want to like implant that in their minds. Yeah, I think, I think there's something where when like the first episode after they start dating, Schmidt spends like the whole episode trying to break them up because he's like, I always knew and I didn't want it or something. But yeah, like it right. would, it's, you're right. In my, from my experience, I do feel like it would have been a little more prevalent because that was like truly all I heard day in and day out. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't, I didn't realize like my, my comings and goings were so important to other people. <laughs> I think though, what you said about, I think one of the hardest things about having feelings for friends and having it become such a big deal is like the making you feel crazy for having the feelings and I think that's what's really because because it is so high stakes. I think a lot of times the mechanism is to deny, deny, deny. And that's yes. what I appreciate that Nick and Jess did not do. And so just to go into like my tiny story about it, and I won't go into too much because I've talked about it before, but like I did finally address it. And it was one of those situations where this was a person like I talked to every single day, sometimes for hours. He was the person I went to for everything, like personal stuff, career stuff, practical stuff, like the plot in New Girl about Nick making Jess furniture. And she asks Sam, she's like, under what circumstances would a man make a furniture for a woman? Like, like construct furniture. And he was like, "Uh, only if he digs her or whatever he says in his very Sam way. (laughs) And this friend this high stakes friend that I had feelings for like I was out of town he made sure the furniture was like safely delivered to my apartment like got into my apartment and then he built the furniture for me while I was out of town oh that's dedication (laughs) thank you and so at the time like it really felt like this dynamic they talk about on the show where they're like this is your boyfriend without the sex And same as you, Katie, like I had a lot of people coming at me with that opinion. So it 
to me felt really obvious like this is the direction things are going and I don't know like I don't know if it was this show ruining like giving me unhealthy expectations and I overread the signs we did have a head-on conversation where I was like here's how I think it feels sometimes between us and basically the response I got was like oh this is how I treat all of my friends and like same thing as you this is a cho- closed chapter this is iced tea but still <laughs> years later I'm like is it the way you treated all your friends because there's only so many hours in a day exactly. and it feels physically... so much attention so much attention I'm like do you have a time turner like that's the only possible way that a you could be turner. treating anyone else with as much attention as you're giving me so I, I don't believe that you're treating all of your friends this way but yeah that's the frustr- that that is like a frustrating thing to me still where I was like okay so we have this whole dynamic but you're gonna make me feel like a little bit crazy for having these feelings either they're gonna be mature about it and they're gonna acknowledge like yes there are feelings I don't feel the same way or yes, you, there are feelings I feel the same way, or they're going to be immature about it, which is like, what what feelings? I don't know how to deal with this because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. To it is. It's really scary. Them. Well, it's, um, it's listen, I think as a culture, we have this concept of what it means to be cool. And we assign mm-hmm. that with not caring about things. And so to care the about cool things. cool girl. Ugh. Yeah, kill me with the cool girl. Like, yeah. it's just mm-hmm. to care cool about girl. things makes you a dweeb. And it's that's also just like not a way to live a human life. So it's a really hard thing to get over. So we did acknowledge it. It did not turn into a relationship. And now, Patty, (laughs) do you want to share your experience? On the hot seat. (laughs) So, um, you know, met this boy in college in, you know, in my musical theater class of 18. And um, we got very close, very fast. At the beginning of... Uh, the school year, he was being misunderstood a lot. And I thought it was Mm. so romantic that I was Mm. the one who just like, I see him for who he really is. And he's good, you know, all that. And then um, we went to London together. I was there with my family and he was there. um, What do you call it? Studying abroad. And we had this night in London where we went to go see a show. And then we just like walked through London together. And I was like, we are so close as friends and I'm so attracted to this person. So what's the, what's the holdup here? Who's, who's gonna, who's gonna make the first move. And um, it took a very long time. Uh, I was at a party and I just remember being like, I want to be with this person right now. And so I just left. I just got out of there and I went to his dorm and we laid in the hallway and just talked about um, what we want our kids to be like. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. It was just, like, so precious and sweet. And I was so, like, we're in love. We're in love. It is just a matter of days. (laughs) And and then we hooked up, and it all went to shit. It all went to shit (laughs) real fast. Uh, because we we really couldn't decide we we really couldn't get our footing on the fact that we had been friends for a year and a half I guess I I remember watching um Nick and Jess where they're like we're gonna he, he's like we're gonna call this call it yeah. mm-hmm. and she says okay like if that's what you want and he's like yeah well it's not like we're in love or anything Oof. and it was so triggering because I'm just like how I fall in love so early. How can you not be in love after you have had sex with someone after you? I don't know. I mean, I just, I just, I fall, I fall so fast. And so it was so weird to be talking to this person and to just be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not there. We were in love as friends. And then we added Mm -hmm. this physical aspect. Why does that delete all of everything? It was just so, it was not great. Anyway, cut to a few years of just like uh bitterness and other people later tell your grab back your parallel to the nick and jess kiss i mean already this story is so parallel by the way you had like a false start and then a lot of time passed and then it started again like it's very spot on it was kind of intense watching this show while it was happening because it was kind of happening in real time 
but it was so comforting too. Halloween night, this person doesn't drink very much, but he got lit this night. And it was such a fun night. We were all at this apartment complex called the Treehouse. Katie and I and this person, we were walking back and (laughs) Katie was like, you should walk him home. So I'm walking him. He was talking to me, looking at me in my eyes. And somebody in the background said, hey, dude, do you want a beer? And he reached his hand out and caught the beer in his hand without breaking eye contact from me. (laughs) And I was like, how did you do that? And he went, he is so generous. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, and then we just, we, I could kind of feel that neither of us wanted to break this conversation. We just like wanted to keep talking, wanted to keep talking. We ended up talking for like half an hour. And then we said, okay, okay, I'll let you go. I'll let you go. And then he just like grabbed me and kissed me. And then we kissed for a long time. We were good after that. Mm -hmm. It was the start of something, um, interesting and wonderful and complicated and beautiful mm-hmm. oh, okay well ladies thank you so much for sharing and everyone thank you for indulging us and letting us talk these things out but i'd like to include the personal anecdotes because i think it's cathartic in the same way that watching nick and jess is cathartic to see a situation or a relationship that feels similar to your own experience play out And hopefully in sharing, we all make meaning out of what's going on in our own lives, or at least feel a little bit more connected to people going through what we're going through. So if you're out there with your own falling for a friend horror story or love story, let us know. We want to hear about it. We want to continue to uh, drink to it and vent about it. Okay. And so we're going to wrap up the episode with the uh, age old question, which is, do you ship it? And by do you ship it, we mean this specifically, like, do you ship Nick and Jess? And then do you ship this dynamic of falling for a high stakes friend non-fictionally in our real lives? And if so, why? I do ship it because Nick has said, I fell in love with you for the, like, the first moment that I met you. Mm. And I am a romantic and I just, I just believe in that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he cared about their relationship enough to think about it, let it bloom as a friendship, and then go through all of that messiness to finally get to where they're married and have kids. I just, I think, and I don't know, I just think that they fit together. I think that this like quirky teacher and this like, you know, grumpy grandpa writer guy, they just like, they fit in my heart. And I don't know, in real life, in my experience, I ship my own experience (laughs) with, you know, falling in love with my best friend, even though we don't talk anymore. I don't regret any single moment because it was such a beautiful experience in that we got to watch our love evolve in so many stages Mm. and really kind of examine the the depths of it and even though you know it was a super intense relationship it's not something that we can handle in our day-to-day lives anymore but that doesn't mean that it's not it wasn't totally valid and valuable and loving and wonderful yeah yeah (sighs) I agree with that I mean I I spent like in the non-fictional way like I I know I said I didn't have like luck with like this high stakes particular person but I think generally like I've always dated friends but I I think generally it makes so much sense to date a friend because you already hopefully have built so much in terms of like community and tradition and communication and comfort and like yes now you go through the challenge of building something new together but to be able to do that with somebody as you were saying that's already known to you and that already knows you that is such a gift and and to know that they're already obsessed with you, like you can rest easy like that. That is ideal to already have so much security and then and build a relationship on top of that. So I think generally, if you have the opportunity 
to date a friend and you can do it in a healthy way, like, absolutely, I ship it. However, I'm just going to roll real quick go on this rant because I can't not. As a, as a girl who lives in Brooklyn and is around <laughs> a lot of, like, flannel-wearing bartenders, <laughs> I, in at age 28, I can't ship Nick and Jess at this point in their arc anymore. And I know things change and I know people grow and I know there's a whole second half of the series in which I'll probably change my mind. But in these first three seasons, I wouldn't even let like a fourth tier friend date Nick Miller. Like if I let a girl, if I met a girl in a bathroom at a bar, I would not let her date Nick Miller. And I think it's because I've been in this world long enough now that I've met real life Nicks. And it's, it's, it's not the bartender thing, to be clear. I um, hang out with a guy who's in four, four metal bands. Four of them is a drummer in four different metal <laughs> bands. So I assume this man is a mess. Like this man is Nick Miller. And then one day he goes, yeah, I'm just a little stressed because my investments are down. And I was like, <laughs> like you have yourself what? together enough to have investments and Nick Miller doesn't have a bank account. It, you can have whatever career you want in my books. You just have to be a functioning adult. And Nick is not. And maybe not. it would have been cute eight years ago, but I don't find it cute anymore. And if any of my friends had to convince their 33-year-old boyfriend <laughs> to open a bank account, to to hold, had to like hold their hand to pay their bills, to get health insurance, to exercise, to eat right, to process emotions around their father. And he couldn't even do the one thing that you asked him, which was put this toy together for a godson. I would be like, I'm so sorry, but like, what are you getting out of this besides great sex? And I agree, Nick is a whole mess. And so is Jess. But, you know, Nick is like barely a functioning human. He admits to not even being sure that he knows how to read. Um, I feel like they accidentally made him the romantic lead of the show. And then they were like, oh, oops. Um, but I also know that feeling so well of like, why? Why, heart? Why this person? Mm -hmm. Did you think to check in with brain, heart? But, you know, no, it doesn't. And sometimes that's just the way it is. So, yes, I absolutely ship it. I think in real life I ship it too, but you just have to be really honest with yourself and with the other person. Otherwise, you might lose a friend, and that's always really hard. Uh, but I think what I love most about the Nick and Jess relationship is that it's built um, on foundation of friendship. You know, their their love is selfless. I don't think as long as I live I will ever get over it. The scene in the pilot when they all go to the restaurant and he starts singing I Had the Time of My Life for Her because that's about her 100%. You know, there's nothing in that for him except loving her and caring for his friend. And that's just, you know, one example. I think they both show that love and respect for each other time and time again. And that's all we ever really want. Oh, it is. It's so good. Well, ladies... Thank you so much for being here. I love you both very much and value your opinions deeply. So thanks for coming. Thank you so much. I can't wait to all be in the same room together and someday play True American First Ladies Edition. We have to. Okay, I love you all. Love you. All right, everyone. That is our episode this week. Tune in every Thursday as we continue to discuss fictional relationships and how they relate to our non-fictional lives. I will link everybody's social media in the episode notes so you can follow these two fabulous co-hosts on Instagram. You can find the podcast at Talking Ship Podcast, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.